So welcome back to Crime Scene Queens. We are your girls and we're here to talk about all things crime scene from the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the whatever you will have it of the actual bitches that do the job here. So I am Laura. I am your friendly resident CSI and field mouse. Hey, Miss Mousie. I'm Shelly. I'm your legal beagle <laughs> court bitch also and your resident court rat. And I do love beagles, so that is super helpful for us and our continued bonding experience. Absolutely. So, Shelly, tell me yeah. what's been going on with you. I know that you have been in court a lot because, like, you haven't been replying to my texts, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, been, it's been nothing but a shit show over here. And yeah. it's been a day. Today, you know, I mean... Weekends are great. Work weeks are a little hectic. And I'd love to vent. Um, but if I did, I'm scared that we would be here all day. So right. instead of this being all about me, which, you know, I, I hear sometimes, I won't say quite often because that's a <laughs> knock on myself. But, you know, I do hear, hey, Shelly, you know, it's not all about you all the time. So how about instead of it being about me, we talk about and share some gripes that really piss us off on scene. Right. So, I mean, I know that you probably want to spout off about, like, all the inner workings of the court system. But. But I did recently have a lot of conversations with my CSI cohort and my friends and people that I used to work with. There is just like a lot of crap going on that's like triggering for me about like why. The answer is just why. Why is this happening? So for our audience, there's a lot of things that annoy us from the public. There are things that annoy us from the officers, there are things that annoy us from the detectives. So we'll do a little segmented breakdown. Oh, don't forget from our supervisors. Oh, God. Okay. And, our, and sure. our coworkers? Oh, 100%. But not just our supervisors. That goes like all the way up to like city officials, government oh. officials, and how they decide like we need to run our scenes. So, you know what? I'll spout off on the first one that comes to mind since we're discussing that. One time, I had a homicide and there is a restaurant that borders a golf hole on this golf course. So dude leaves restaurant and car full of people who don't like dude pulls into the parking lot. They make eye contact and he starts running away from the car because he knows what's up. They get out of the car. They shoot the fuck out of him and his body lands in the middle of the golf course. Okay. Four. Yeah. Four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, he didn't quite duck out of the way. So I'm processing Maybe he thought scene. he was getting hit by a golf ball. <laughs> oh, oh, good Lord. Well, I start processing the scene, and it's kind of a nightmare, as every CSI knows. Whenever you have an outdoor shooting, because naturally we want to collect all of the shell casings or projectiles, any of that evidence that is really important to why this person died. And naturally when somebody is fleeing for their life and being shot at, there's a lot of blood spatter evidence that's trailing this person as they are being injured and trying to save themselves, right? So it takes time. And you have variables of weather and since this was a public place and it's public florida and it's florida there's animals there's all kinds of things that can interfere with this scene so i try to always start with the most important thing 
and do kind of an algorithm of decision making on how to best move forward, right? Overall photographs first, of course, because you want to get things documented in their original position as much as you can before you do any kind of search or collection. And then contact with the body after discussing things with the medical examiner. This is a homicide, so they obviously chose to come out. I guess I shouldn't say obviously. Our medical examiners come out for homicides. Yeah. And I had – the body had been taken away by the body snatchers and brought to the medical examiner's office. And I started to do a deeper search into the projectiles and the casings that were found both in the parking lot and on the – fairway of this golf course. And I knew that there were a certain amount of shots due to bullet defects in surrounding cars, all of which had to be processed, bullet defects on the victim, just bullet defects in the grass. There was lots of different pieces of information that I saw. I I recall that this weapon must have been fired over 10 times, right? Yeah. So I'm Doing this with my coworkers and my supervisor's phone rings and he's like, it's a homicide. What do you mean? The golf course called the mayor <laughs> who called the chief, who called the lieutenant, who called the supervisor to say they need to reopen the golf course. They're losing money. There's members waiting. And oh. I'm like... Are, 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 you, are you kidding me? Like, somebody has died. They can wait on their golf game. So <laughs> the moral of this very long story is CSIs don't like fucking being rushed because what we do is important, and rushing can damage evidence. It can lead to improperly collected evidence. It can lead to evidence being missed. And this example isn't the only one that I have like that. I have been rushed on scenes more time than I can count, and these people should be embarrassed, but instead they're just impatient. So don't rush me. I'm making magic happen over here, all right? So F all the way off. If you don't like it, go to your police car and play Candy Crush. So in my irritable state, I probably Mm -hmm. would have said, uh, if you want me to clear the crime scene and you wanted it done faster, maybe you should have called Ghostbusters. Exactly. And, you know, they were like, oh, well, this is coming from the mayor. And I'm like, is the mayor's son the one that's dead? Zero facts given who it's coming from. Right. Well, but but, you know, my point is, is maybe he would have been a little bit more patient if it was his loved one that died. True. Right. Yeah. And or I mean, whatever. No, but like speaking about mayors, right? Mayors, other commissioners or other commissioners and like dignitaries and stuff like Mm -hmm. how about when they think that they're all that and they just say, F your crime scene tape. I'm just going to walk through your scene. And now they have disturbed evidence. They've left footwear impressions. They've potentially uh, messed up, like you were talking about the blood spatter, you know, all different kinds of evidence. They, they're they kicking mm-hmm. the shells. And you're like, uh, we haven't photographed this yet. What are you doing? Not to mention scene integrity, chain of custody. Yep. Yep. Not to mention, like, there is a crime scene log, Okay. I mean, to your point, Shelly, there are some really tall skyscrapers in the city where I used to work. And once or twice, we did have somebody jump off of them in a suicide. And one time, the police chief... Aim for the trees. (laughs) Yes. Oh, actually, he did hit a bush. So while he did still pass away, like the... Never mind. Let's not get too dark. Let's just say the scene wasn't too bad, as you would expect from somebody jumping from 26 stories. 
But the chief walked one of the female commissioners through the crime scene. And I remember thinking, what exactly is the purpose of this? Huh. Like, well, it, and yeah. it's the CSI effect because, you know, there is someone walking through the crime scene with heels on and a skirt, a pencil skirt. Well, but it's not just that. It's like very clear that he was trying to impress her in some way. Of course and she was. could barely handle it. She was like, I got to get out of here. So she probably didn't even want to see it. He was probably just having some kind of weird dick showing contest. But it was so stupid. And I was like, you guys better make sure she's on my crime scene log. Because even though that is ultimately something that maybe the detective or supervisors should be mitigating, I respect the integrity of my crime scenes. So no, you may not walk city commissioners or any other government official through my crime scene. I don't care who they are. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Um, and, you know, just just kind of to, to clarify for like our listeners. So crime scene logs are logs of all the people that have mm-hmm. entered the scene. And why the hell is this important? Yep. I mean, obviously it's important. And, you know, it's, it's important because we want to know, well, we've got there's random prints on something. So is this uh, if we don't have your name on the log, guess who becomes a suspect? Uh, little pencil skirt and high heels or, you know, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Commissioner, whatever. And how about that chain of custody? You want to explain that one? Yes. So the defendant has the right to have the process that was used. You know, so chain of custody would be like every yeah. every person that has touched every piece of evidence. There is accountability. It's yes. accountability yeah, it's on accountability, evidence. Yeah. Thank you. People, you have to justify why you made contact with a piece of evidence. And there is no justification for a commissioner walking through a crime scene. So the crime scene is our largest piece of evidence. Exactly. And people aren't just allowed to willy-nilly walk through that, which leads me To my next pet peeve, this one has to do with you, the public, not all of you, but some of you. It is amazing the blatant disregard for crime scene tape on crime scenes. I have worked traffic homicides, outdoor stabbings, shootings, insert violent crime here, and we will have set up a perimeter that is very clearly marked, and... Most of the time, there is an officer or an official that will be protecting that perimeter. But occasionally, somebody has to pee. Occasionally, somebody goes and gets a drink from their police car. And I always see jackasses lifting up the tape and walking under it. And they're like, oh, I just have to go right over there. I don't care where you have to go. Crime scene tape is not optional. Well, okay, but that's what the CSI effect is, though. You know, like they see it on TV and they're like, oh, it's totally fine if we just lift this up and just walk on through. I actually think that it's mostly arrogance and a disregard for like authority in the way of I'm going to do what I want. You're stopping me from getting over to that store. That's the street where I live on. And of course, because I live there, I am allowed under this crime scene tape. So... That also presents other issues because we are typically civilian, unarmed crime scene investigators. If somebody is in my crime scene and that person is potentially dangerous or related to the crime scene, that's an unsafe situation for me. Absolutely. So crime scene barrier tape is not optional. And that is why I like having an officer at each element of that perimeter. So shout out to the boys and girls that have kept me safe throughout the years. 
<laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, can yes. you imagine like, oh, like somebody ha- is having a murder trial and there's all these pictures or video surveillance from a surrounding business of people walking in and out of the crime scene. And we're supposed to have the jury believe there was no cross contamination of the evidence. Exactly. Exactly. Shelly, can you like maybe guide our listeners through why cross contamination is such an issue in trial and why an attorney might utilize a obvious cross contamination issue to make a point for their defendant? Oh, absolutely. So for instance, when Medical personnel show up on scene and in order to do some type of assessment, they have to move things. So like they'll move a piece of furniture and, you know, they move that piece of furniture and then the body is moved, obviously, because they have to work on it. So they reposition the body. Well, a problem with that is if the officers say, for instance, it's an officer involved shooting. If the officers ended up shooting that person, then to defend the officers They're saying, you know, there was a chair here and the photos don't show that chair. So Mm. we have to now explain, well, it's because, you know, the EMTs moved it because they had to, you know, try to do some type of uh, medical assessment or, you know, provide medical care to the decedent. And that creates a huge issue. Not only that, but then it also creates an issue for our experts who have to try to explain these types of things as well, you know, because we've got trajectory and you know, if you've got a, a path for trajectory and it's not, you know, there's it, it ricochets because there was a piece of furniture that's no longer there. It, it creates huge issues. So mm-hmm. disturbing crime scenes is definitely something that hurts everyone in crime scenes. It hurts. I mean, I guess, you know, if if it's someone that is a criminal that did it, then, you know, I guess it really doesn't hurt them because it kind of helps their defense. So what does that say? Well, that says that if it helps a criminal, then we probably shouldn't do it, right? (laughs) Well, I guess I'm also like what I'm hearing you say is that if unauthorized people have access to the scene, evidence could be damaged, evidence could be removed, it could be destroyed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And without so like, for instance, you know, another situation without a chain of custody or even if evidence is moved, then, you know, big, huge drug bust. Right. So huge drug bust. We go out on scene and there's, you know, a couple dead bodies. There's some drug paraphernalia. There's some heavy duty drug stuff sitting around. And, you know, someone just happens to pick it up because they're doing something else. And, oh, it may end up in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not the best thing. So, you know, those are those are things that we definitely have to watch out for as well. Right. This one's for you, road officers, detectives, and anyone else that gets to the scene before us. CSIs fucking hate you finger fucking our evidence. When they hand me a gun, when they hand me a piece of evidence, when they have made a gun safe off of a dead guy when they have put the gun in their trunk for, quote, safekeeping. And then they get mad at you for taking their elimination swab or elimination prints. And for those of you who don't know, an elimination standard, either through a DNA swab or fingerprints, is something that we use to eliminate somebody as a potential suspect. So like if an officer accidentally gets his fingerprints on the gun, will collect his prints for comparison. 
but there is no need to touch things unless there is actually the potential for danger. The only exception I have seen to that rule is some poor cop was trying to help and it started to rain and he went and got Dixie cups and covered every shell casing and projectile that he saw (laughs) on the street so that the rain would not sweep them away. First of all, that's not how I would do it, but it was so adorable that I couldn't even be mad. But I guess this one can also apply to like if your home has been burglarized, don't touch stuff. Yes. Like hashtag don't touch stuff should be a crime scene queen's hashtag. Don't touch stuff. (laughs) Okay. Don't finger fuck could be the other hashtag. Do not it like it's first of all, moving evidence is a huge deal. Okay. And we already have to deal with the ultimate destruction that comes with a fire rescue response. Because we're going to have, you know, all of that crap everywhere while they do life-saving techniques because obviously human life is much more important than our evidence. But don't touch stuff. I think I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. Don't touch stuff. (laughs) Unless it's actually going to hurt someone. Okay. There you go. I th- yeah, I there think, I you think your point's been... Yeah, and, you know, going yeah. off your point also, you know, if you move things and you are you have a walkthrough, so, you know, everything is the way that it is. Crime scene is preserved. We show up. Mm-hmm. We do our stuff on the crime scene. You know, we're going to photograph. We're going to collect evidence. We're, you know, going to do everything. And then let's say that it is an officer-involved uh, shooting, for instance. Right. Well, when our officers come back through and they do their walkthrough, if you've moved stuff, then they're like... I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, sometimes they have tunnel vision, but then, you know, it mm-hmm. really throws them off and then it changes the story. And then what does it look like? Well, it doesn't look very good for them because now it looks like, you know, they might be not telling the truth. So, yeah, you know, just don't touch stuff. Yeah. So like speaking more to the point that you're making around that, about there being issues when there are are things that have been moved and it seems shady. I remember in my initial crime scene training, you know, we photograph things with and without scale of measurement whenever the exact size is important. Uh, And this situation can arise when we are photographing pattern injuries like, you know, stab wounds, bruising. It can show up when there's bullet defects. It can be relevant in a myriad of situations. Uh, Shoe impressions, Visible handprints, which are, are, I'm sorry, not just handprints, fingerprints, any kind of print that's visible to the naked eye is something that we call a patent print. Latent prints are like when we use the fingerprint powder, but a patent print is something that you could see. And that's something that we would photograph with and without scale. So in my training, you know, I took my overall pictures, I took my mid-range pictures, and then you do a series of close-up photographs where you fill the frame of the picture, which means that you include as much of the item of evidence as you can without cutting any of it off within the frame of the picture. And I was taking these pictures with my scale because it was relevant. And my trainer said, you need to take a picture with and without the scale. And I said, well, why? And he said, because they will say, what are you trying to hide with that scale? What evidence are you trying to hide that would exonerate my client? So that's how petty, that's exactly how petty it gets. So if you think that people aren't going to make a big deal out of a chair missing, oh, well, there could have been evidence on that chair that exonerates my client, which by the way, 
is another pet peeve of mine that's never going to go away, the way things are meticulized and blown up, like whatever. But to be honest, it's not that big of a pet peeve because it is our job to be sort of annoyingly meticulous. So I guess I should take that one back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, speaking on, on photographs, one of our comments was mm -hmm. about, you know, make sure you take good photographs, said mm -hmm. supervisor to certain CSI. Oh, my No God. shit, Sherlock. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I will for sure take non-blurry photos. Okay. Yes. And until you said that, I was just planning on doing a half-ass job. So what Shelly is saying is so unbelievably accurate. I don't have a way to make a gender-inclusive statement on this, so I'm going to use the terminology I know. Do not mansplain to your CSI. I have literally had this guy that you, oh, this horrible supervisor I had, I still can't even believe that he was allowed to do anything with like a fingerprint brush or whatever. But I was photographing an outdoor scene and I'm in the middle of it. And he literally comes up to me and his supervisory wisdom is, hey, Laura, um, make sure you take mid-range photographs. I can't tell you <laughs> how much restraint I showed I think I pulled the camera away from my face. I looked at him and I believe my exact phrase was, I got it. <laughs> I, I got I got this. You can you can float back into your van now and eat some beef jerky, okay? I got it. And this is a great thing to bring up, Shelly, because I did post on social media to my like little CSI network. I asked all of them what their number one CSI pet peeve is and God, I love our community because I got over 80 responses on Instagram and so many CSIs, one of their gripes was, I hate being micromanaged in my role by people who don't even understand my job. I hate having detectives tell me, oh, you should probably collect everything in that trash can. Like just like trying to like flex on us so that they have some semblance of authority in the situation. Now, don't get me wrong. I have worked with, with some of the most amazing detectives. But every once in a while, you get that kid that's got something to prove. And I'm saying kid because that is definitely gender neutral because I've had both men and women flex on me like this. And, you know, you usually just kind of smile and nod and do what you want. <laughs> Speaking of flexing, how mm -hmm. about my vacation photos? Oh, girl. <laughs> I know. Right? I, 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 I love that for you. Yeah, thank you. I love it for you. Oh, so on your point of food, of, you know, go mm -hmm. back into your little van and, and eat your jerky. How about, yep. you know, when, oh, everyone else orders food on, you oh. know, a long scene and, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'll just uh, eat the grass that's not in the crime scene. <sighs> Thanks. Yeah. This is another huge CSI pet peeve when they feed everyone except for us. And first of all, it's usually always Chick-fil-A or pizza. I know we're not supposed to be name dropping brands, but that's just how it is. I'm sorry. It is literally only Chick-fil-A or pizza that they feed us. And what will happen is we will be doing work and they will be wrapping up their interviews and take a break to eat. And they won't think to come get us who is literally out sweating balls outside or like in some creepy ass house with some decomposing body and they'll all eat. And by the time we're done, the food is either gone or stone cold. 
And some people might like cold pizza, but it ain't this girl. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, CSIs don't make as much as the ones that are eating, you know, it, yeah. it, it would be nice for them to throw us a bone. I mean, you know, hey, if yeah. you're going to eat chicken wings, you know, how about how about you give us your bones because we can just, you know, suck the rest of the meat off of them or something to keep us, you know, hand like tied over until, oh, our 48 hour shift is up. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, CSI is not exactly a high paying job. So throwing us throwing us the free meal would be appreciated. But that is an entirely other pet peeve, which I feel like we need like could go on about. You know, we're not really treated equally and fairly for the amount of work that we do, the amount of education that we have, the skill set we have. How about the hazard and what we do? Most of us don't even get hazard pay for our sheer exposure to airborne pathogens, bloodborne pathogens. I mean, how, gross. How, how about even, you know, like we're the ones that have to get up close and personal and get into the mess. Yeah. Most of the time that I have a really gross body, the detective will be like, it's in there. You know, like, yeah, good luck. May the odds be in your favor. Right. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> and so speaking of forgetting us about food, how about forgetting us, period? I have literally been like left on scene alone. And that might sound like bliss because nobody's bothering me. But it actually is a huge issue because of what we mentioned before about I am unarmed. I am now alone in a very creepy place and I am meant to have some form of safety or security. Yeah. Yeah. And instead they just leave, you know, you just kind of hanging out and well, I mean, that's great. Hopefully your phone didn't die. Yeah. Oh my God. I know everybody should have a charger in their van for sure. Like everybody has a bunch of snacks in their van, a phone charger, you know, the essentials. Yeah. In your backpack. You need it in your backpack, you know, with with your camera that you apparently don't know how to use or don't know how to take mid-range photos with. Oh, I know. I, I'm incapable of mid-range yeah. photoing. Yeah. Don't, don't forget but... those next time. Yeah. Because that's, that's obvious. I mean, that's, you know, that's yeah. CSI 101. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of people kind of leaving us out or leaving us entirely, I want to talk about something that's a little bit heavier right now. So I know that we kind of have a lot of fun here while we do our bitching. We do very heavy work. We see very upsetting, sad things. And it is a part of the job. So there is a layer of emotional protection I feel like a lot of CSIs will develop However, shit creeps in, okay? There is stuff that is a depth of sadness that is very hard for any strong mind, weak mind, brave mind, whatever mind to contain and handle, okay? And one of my pet peeves right now is that there's been a lot of tragedy going on in the world. I don't think I even need to go in depth into that. It's plenty obvious. All you have to do is turn on the news literally every day. And the CSI community has been commiserating with one another because agencies are not properly providing the crime scene unit with something called debriefing, okay? So what debriefing is, is basically kind of a therapy session where everybody meets and we talk about the scene, the officers, the detectives, the CSI, whoever was exposed up close and personal to the tragedy, you're meant to kind of discuss it with a professional, okay? And yeah. a bunch of my friends 
have recently expressed that they had a very upsetting scene recently involving children. And there were lots of subsequent scenes and incidents that happened after that. And they did not provide the crime scene unit with debriefing for over two weeks. They were expected to work through all of their other crime scenes. Like they had no feelings or no humanity that they were just workhorse machines. And you all, that is so incredibly fucked up. I can't even tell you. That's incredibly insensitive. It's not even that it's insensitive, but like how do you expect them to work on that depth of a scene get any amount of rest, deal with it, and then go work all of the other scenes. Like, I'm sorry, officers have automatic administrative leave from traumatic incidents, okay? But we do not. And I'm not going to act like it's commonplace for CSIs until recently, okay? Until recently to discuss therapy or utilizing tools available to us to handle the complexities of our job, okay? One of the things that I love about the recent mental health movement is that as a crime scene community, we are saying this scene was a lot. I need to talk about it, okay? Yeah. I've needed to source a therapist. But for the police department to allow this unit to work, as, like, I'm not going to talk about the scene, but let me just trust me, it, it was a lot. And to work them that way and not even check in or care about them, like literally infuriates me because we already are kind of treated as lesser than when it's a civilian crime scene unit. So that is a pet peeve of mine right now is treating the crime scene unit like they can can just fucking deal with it and go to the next scene and just fucking deal with it and go to the next scene. Like you need proper time to decelerate. And to we're seeing someone's loved one that I mean can be mangled. You know, I mean, there's there's brain matter on door jams that we're having to photograph, and that means that when you find that skull of someone, Mm -hmm. their brain and you know is outside of their head. It's not a pretty scene, and who's taking photographs of it? Oh, we are. Mm -hmm. Who's taking the close-ups of it? Oh, we are. Yeah. And, yeah, you Mm -hmm. definitely need time to process that. And then if you're tired on top of that, you know, I mean, it's a psychological – it's a psychological thing where, you know, your emotions run high when you're tired and, Mm -hmm. you know, your body chemistry is thrown off. So – You know, when you're tired, your body doesn't know if it's hungry, if it's tired, if it's moody, if it's cranky, if it's sad. Your body goes through all these different emotions. So if your body's going through these emotions because you're already tired, because, you know, what CSI Mm -hmm. is not overworked and underpaid. So your body's Mm -hmm. already going through all this. And then now you're having to you can't even detox from it. So now you're having to go to the next crime scene. Like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's that's just. That's not cool. Yeah. And I know what our listeners might be thinking with some of this, Shelly, to be honest, because the truth is we all are tired. We've all had call out weeks where we were back to back to back to back. It's that added emotional component where this scene was too much. So I can't quantify or qualify for anyone what scene was too much for them. I know that there have been... In my career, I can think of three scenes where I was just like, I still occasionally now think about them. And there isn't a 
framework for that. It just either gets in or it doesn't. And sometimes they get in. And from what I understand, this crime scene unit was communicating that this scene had got in and they were basically met with, uh, well, who's going to do the other crime scenes then? Okay. You know what? Source it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's it's just wrong. But there is a attitude in our field that kind of is how it is, which is we we all do have to rally. We all do have to put put on our big girl and big boy panties and get it done. However, two weeks, like there should have been a break in that time where this unit was allowed to stop because there's a point where your crime scene work is no longer even any good, you know? Yeah. And, you okay. know, and it's, it's, I mean, I, you know, I, I get that, you know, they're understaffed. Okay. That's, that's fine. But, you know, being understaffed is not an excuse. And, you know, like there, you know, we say you can't unsee things. And mm. that is true. And, you know, we do make light of things and we we laugh about things and we joke about things, even though everything that, you know, we do and see is very serious. We make mm-hmm. light of it because that's a coping mechanism. And, you know, like, you know, you, you see a, a baby in a microwave and you could never unsee that. You can never yeah. unfeel that emotion. So instead, you have to twist it into a scientific experience. Yeah. And you can't, you know, you can't let that mom in you react at all. And these are things that, you know, people just don't understand. So, yeah, there are some really heavy things. And, you know, when we're laughing and joking about things on the, you know, on this show, it's because that's our coping mechanism. Well, and sometimes it is funny. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. there's there's some things that just are are very, you know, humorous and comical uh, for sure. Right. But yeah. You know, and, and that's that's just it's what we do. You know, we it's it's interesting, too. Yeah. And I guess I'll go ahead and lighten it up a little bit. Let's talk about the quick and dirty things that are annoying. If you are at your local grocery store and you see a member of the crime scene unit trying to buy themselves some apples, do not walk up to them and say, I didn't do it, okay? <laughs> we will punch you in the face with our brain. Not really. In our head, we are punching you in the face. If you see a CSI out and about or you have been introduced to somebody and they let you know that they do crime scene work, do not ask them what the grossest scene they've ever seen is. Do not ask them their worst scene. Do not ask them their most gruesome scene. We don't want to talk about it. We're off work. Leave us alone. And you probably can't even handle it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I usually just tell people when they ask me, I say, you know, my crazy isn't your crazy and I'm pretty damn crazy. And they're that's like, that's a great oh, answer. Oh, and they literally like their eyes are huge and they just kind of walk away. And I'm like, that's right. Walk away slowly. Oh, I'll, I'll read another one on this uh, note from like the Instagram post. I have a CSI that has written in and they hate it when people say, oh, you're a CSI. Like the TV show, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, another CSI wrote in and said that they hate it when they're working a burglary investigation and the owner of the home is walking around instructing them on what they want fingerprinted in the house. Okay. Like I can do my own damn job. Okay. Yeah. A bunch of comments on what we discussed earlier about make sure you take really good pictures. And there's one that there's one that I totally have to comment that someone wrote Okay, in. do it. So they said... So you can get away with murder, right? Sure. Oh, right. Probably yep. could, to be honest. So when people ask me that, I look at them straight in the face, just like I do when I talk about my crazy, and I say, 
Do you want to find out? Yeah, do you want to find out? That's a good answer. <laughs> no, I have been asked so many times, like, well, well how, how could you get away with murder? How, how would you get away with murder? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you in case it's you next, first of all. Exactly. Yeah, we got a lot of comments on finger-fucking evidence. The other one that has been sent in a couple of times and I have to agree is when the officers or detectives lie about the crime scene or the victim so that you respond and then they don't have to do any work. Okay. Let me give you a benign example of that. One time I got called out to a burglary investigation and the officer on scene said, this whole place is ransacked. It's ransacked. There's broken glass everywhere. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I show up to the home. It's vacant. It is a vacant home. There is one broken window. What? Nothing was even stolen. This lazy motherfucker literally did not want to use his fingerprint powder kit that he is trained with on the windowsill. Because then he would have to go through the processes of properly lifting the prints or whatever. And I was so pissed. I'm like... You are paid to do fingerprinting on a basic level. You do not need forensics to respond and show me exactly where this house was ransacked. All right, let me one-up myself. I was called out in the middle of the night because I was told that a child got into the medicine cabinet and took medication and is at the hospital and is deceased, okay? (laughs) I get there. This little girl is drinking juice. She's looking at me. She's smiling. She's waving. She literally got into like half of a baby aspirin. Oh, my god! And I'm like, I thought she was dead. Not that I'm happy that, uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I meant to say I'm thrilled she's alive. Yeah. However, why am I being woken up at three o'clock in the morning? Because she didn't die and didn't even need her stomach pumped because it wasn't that big of a deal. Why am yeah. I here? Yeah. So that was a popular one is uh, uh, lying to get us out there. Or how Uh, how about when like, you know, neighbors and stuff, they're like, hey, what's going on? Well, I mm -hmm. mean, you know, we're having an underwater sweater party. I I don't like what do you mean? What's going on? Yeah. What do you mean? What's a crime scene? Oh, my God. Shelly, I have trauma for this one. Let me explain. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay. In one of the cities I worked in, there was a very, very long street full of buildings for a community that was like a 55-plus luxury condominium. And this facility spanned miles. I mean, it was probably like thousands of 55-plus. And now each building had a captain. Don't fucking know what the captain did. They probably just sat around and snitched on their neighbors. I don't know. All right. But because this is an older, advanced age community, there was a lot of death investigations in there. And most of the time, everything was fine and everything was natural. But if that person didn't have any relatives checking on them, sometimes they would be in there for a while after they died. And we would naturally have to respond to make sure there was no foul play. Okay. So every single time crime scene had to respond to one of these buildings, inevitably we would hear, excuse me, what's going on here? I'm the building captain. 
<laughs> I don't give a fuck <laughs> that you're the building captain. Okay. And oh, hold on. Let me check my pockets. Oh, wait. I'm all out of fucks to give. Sorry. <laughs> they said it with some kind of authority, like that meant anything. Okay. And they would literally like, knock on the windows and the door. And it was, it was so annoying. I literally remember at one point when I eventually left that city to go to another one, I said, at least I never have to hear from the building captain again. <laughs> Thanks, Paul Blart. Yes. So if you are a member of the public and you're a, hey, uh, what's going on here? Leave us alone. We're not answering your question. The most that we're going to tell you is whether or not it's safe for you to be in the area. And if you are allowed within in the vicinity enough to ask the question, chances are you're safe. So do road officers, do crime scene investigators a favor and don't ask what's going on here. Yeah. Okay? Leave us alone. If you have to ask, you need to turn around and walk away. Yeah, if you have to ask, you're just being nosy, and don't get me wrong, I'm nosy too. I'm yeah. definitely nosy too, but now there's something called the Neighborhood app, and it'll probably buzz in three seconds and tell you anyways. Yeah, so settle down, Karen, because, you know, these looky-loos, they're a bit ridiculous. So one thing that I did get a lot of responses on, and this hasn't been my experience, but I would find this infuriating is some of the crime scene investigators were saying to me that they got comments from the chain of command and like officers saying, well, you guys don't really even do that much. You just take pictures. So it was like a very condescending downplaying of our role. I mean, people probably never said that to me because I would, you know, kill them. But I can't believe that this is being spoken to people that are literally doing a job you don't want to have to do. And their education definitely takes them a lot further than a five-month police academy. So don't tell these men and women that they are doing nothing. They are doing a lot. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's nothing. So that's yeah. a CSI pet peeve would be downplaying our role. There, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there, there, was, there was one where uh, someone said that one of the officers said, you know, can you go ahead and like forensicate the scene? Oh, and I saw said, that one. Yeah. And they said, well, sure. Can you policeify the scene first? <laughs> that was my most popular one. When I posted that, I got so many replies where people were like, OK, this is my favorite answer. Can you imagine? I have to say that I can't even call that a pet peeve. If somebody asked me if I could forensicate the scene, I would literally just start laughing. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and and. What's what's the one about the, the firefighters duct taping the cartridge oh. casings to the ground? What? I'm assuming that, yeah. So one of the CSIs reported that they showed up to the scene of a shooting investigation. And in order to prevent evidence from being lost, the firefighters actually duct taped the ballistic evidence to the ground. Granted, it was where it was found, but that does create quite a few issues oh oh yeah 100 percent. i mean you can't really pull prints off of that kind of stuff dna is destroyed yeah you're kind of destroying that evidence so let's take it on an even simpler level csi superstitions so when i say it's a pet peeve it's more of something that makes us jump and go no 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 okay Saying 
the Q word. Shelly, oh. do you know what the Q word is? We're not going to speak of that Q word. I'll say it once. I'll say it once because I'm not on call tonight. All right, go for it. Don't ever say, wow, it's really quiet what? tonight. That is a quick way <laughs> to get yourself a triple homicide with subsequent scenes and the homicides are all outside and there's drive-by. Like If you say something is quiet, the amount of people that will come from you is not just within this crime scene unit. Yeah. It is everyone. Okay. So outside of the Q word, a quick way to get yourself way too many crime scenes are full moons. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And then there's holidays. Something in that energy field, man. People go banana sandwich. And that's when we always get like those weird crime scenes. Like I remember one full moon. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, a few years ago, Shelly, uh, bath salts, like oh. the the drug. Yeah. It was like an MDA. Yeah. The MDMA. Yeah. Uh, well, MDMA like, like, is ecstasy. And yeah. So bath salts are, are horrible. And they're, you know, the, right. the street chemists are making them and changing them whenever actual yes. real forensic toxicologists are trying to figure out what they're made of. So because bath salts kill people. So ultimately, they found a way to like change drugs to and like bath salts were not something that was regulated so they were legal for this weird period of time and then they made bath salts illegal and then they changed the chemical component of the bath salts a little bit and we landed on something called flaca so flaca makes you insane and i don't mean the condescending kind of insane i mean this kind of insane a gentleman and his lady friend, not his lover, his actual friend, were watching television together. They decided to enjoy some nice flaca. He says that the television told him that if he didn't kill her, that she was going to go to the government and tell the government all of his secrets. So he went to the kitchen. He got himself a nice cleaver, butcher cleaver, and he hacked the shit out of her. And she did end up running away and living, thank God. However, that crime scene literally looked like something from a movie. Like, it was ridiculous. And when he was eventually apprehended by law enforcement, he was just screaming about all the things that she was going to tell the government about him. When, when you say flaca, so, I mean, I'm by, by no means am I uh, bilingual, but flaca yep. means skinny in Spanish. No, no, no. That This was like the street name for the drug. But like... Like a bath salt type. Yes, it's like a bath salt variant. So the other weird... Oh God, I'm trying to think. Like I had so many weird full moon calls, and you're like, like what, like what, what? Just what the what, what the what <laughs> is all I can say. Yeah. Other than that, holidays. Oh, As it turns holidays. out, people don't really like their families, and when you put people and their families together, and you involve alcohol, there's a lot what of could go wrong. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Yes. So everybody that's on call during full moons and holidays pretty much knows what's up. Yeah. You're not getting any sleep. No. And if you are, then you'd better wake up that morning and say thank you to whatever energy force you believe in that's out there. Jesus. 100%. Buddha. 
Allah, <laughs> Muhammad, <laughs> the universe in general. I don't care who it is. You better wake up and thank them. The tree. <laughs> the tree. In yes. The to the blessed tree, the sacred tree. I don't even care. And then I've had like really weird, uh, annoying things from the public like, hey, do you have a body in that crime scene van? Yes, I am driving around with a body in my van. I'm oh, having my lunch break with a body in my van. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it goes on and on and on with the things that people think are like funny to say. I know we were kind of mentioning cross-contamination earlier. I was, it just occurred to me because, you know, we wear a lot of personal protective equipment, things like <laughs> gloves and masks and like booties. There are road officers that are so lazy that instead of wearing the nitrile or latex gloves that are allocated to them, they'll buy some like fucking nasty ass gardening glove or gym glove and they'll use it on like every scene. I actually, yeah, I know of one that uses mechanics gloves and yeah. he knows who he is and he's going to be listening to this, uh, to this podcast and he's well, going to, listen up. I'm going to get a dude. text. <laughs> dude in mechanics gloves. Stop it. Stop it right now. You're being lazy. Knock it off. All of us have to get the hand sweats in our gloves and you're coming with us from now on. Right. Uh, you know what? You know what? Christmas for Christmas or for his birthday or for some holiday. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to have to buy him a box of gloves. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> you should definitely do that, actually. I want to <laughs> I want you should wrap them up like a present. I individually. <laughs> I know I like individually wrap it up and make it look like like it's something really cool. Yeah, that that's actually that's hilarious. I, I think I might do that. It's yeah. really interesting the amount of times that we have to hurry up and wait. That's a pet peeve of mine. Like when I'm called out to a crime scene that requires a search warrant, but they haven't yet begun even writing that warrant. Shelly, can you maybe break down the process of how long it takes to even get a search warrant, much less have it executed? Uh, sometimes it's all about who you know, but I know, of course, that's that's not typical. So yeah, I mean, you know, a search warrant. Oh, you're talking writing up the search warrant, and you know, I mean, obviously, the people that are writing the search warrants, you know, they type 120 words a minute, so they're extremely fast at it. And then <laughs> you know, they have 100. And then they have you know the judge on speed dial. So obviously, that's a thing. And you know, the judge is not doing anything else, so the judge is you know ready and willing to sign said search warrant at any hour of the day, night middle mm -hmm. of the night doesn't matter so you know i mean it's pretty quick you know just like on csi you know it could take like i don't know 15 20 minutes or in reality hours mm -hmm. yeah hours upon hours upon hours yeah. so basically what i'm saying is i was told to hurry up and get here to literally sit in my van for upwards of three hours there was a one scene where i was like okay I'm going home and I'm staying on the clock because I could have been sleeping this entire time. You guys yeah. from now on need to wait until at least the warrant has passed through the attorney and is being sent to the judge to call crime scene. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Please, please wait. Please wait because I get that, you know, everyone's time is valuable and you know some people may think that their time is more valuable but you know looking at the back of my eyelids is pretty darn valuable 
Yeah, I mean, looking at the back of my eyelids is so valuable that I don't even appreciate the quote courtesy calls where somebody like calls me at hey, 2 a.m. and they're yeah, just just giving you a <laughs> heads up. There were shots fired on the other street. Okay, so I'm not being called right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want you to know. Okay, but I could go back into my dream and be playing with Scott Eastwood. Like, why am I talking to you before I actually have to work? Because as far as I know, heads up is not on OT. And there ain't no time like overtime. Okay. And yeah, so this whole heads up thing. So what what are they like? Okay, heads up two hours, three hours early. Do they think that we have to jump in the shower and do our makeup and do our hair and, you know, get all dolled up? No, not happening. Oh, my God. I I literally have woken up and showered before, but that's because I was literally like, I need to wake up. I need the cold water to provide me with essence, I guess. Uh, yeah, but that's like, you know, five, seven minutes max. You're not like two hours mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. Oh, and like another thing that was submitted by the CSIs that I totally agree with is being told that a house was cleared and then you get there and there's locked doors or people still roaming around in there. Like, okay, if there is a locked door in here, then that means that that room was not cleared. And we don't know that there's not like a bounty of people in there ready to like attack. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Do not tell me a location is safe if I'm like approaching a locked door that I can't even get through. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. There's, yeah. Or, you know, scene is safe and, you know, everything's great. Oh, by the way, you hear people in the attic. No, Mm -hmm. scene's not safe. There's Mm -hmm. something up there and it's either a ginormous fucking raccoon or there's people up there. Oh, they're laughing. Oh, there's people up there. Can you please clear the scene now? But if they're laughing, they're happy, Shelly. <laughs> or they're on drugs. <laughs> or they're on drugs, or they're drunk, or they're happy because they're plotting our demise. One of those. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe they want to shoot us in the face with birdshot. Because, you know, yeah, that's yeah. happened. Well, I mean, honestly, like, we could probably find something to bitch about with everything. But, I mean, I feel like our list has been pretty extensive at this point. <laughs> Maybe yeah. in order to sound... Less like a bunch of crabby bitches. I'll go ahead and cut it off. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all fun. Yeah. Well, at least because now you've said, oh, like, well, we shouldn't talk about me. I've definitely talked about me way more than you in this one. (laughs) That's all right. I'll I'll give you that one. (laughs) I'll I'll take the L. (laughs) There you go. Take the L. I love it. I love it. So other than that, I think we've kind of clarified, you know, the legal spin on things. Are there any Mm -hmm. other maybe like funny stories that you can think of? You know, as far as funny stories and like a CSI EDU element of this, just follow my instructions on how not to piss off a CSI. Leave us alone in public unless you're going to A, pay for our lunch, B, just say thank you because nobody ever thinks about us, or C, pay for our lunch and say thank you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or D, all of the above. (laughs) Yes. Or I do have like a soft spot for children that like look at me and like kind of have googly eyes. And then sometimes they even want like hugs. Okay. Like I totally eat that up, but you know, other CSIs might not. But uh, if you have an incident in your home or in your life where crime scene has to respond, don't say dumb shit. Don't touch anything. And do what we say so that we can help you. Don't change your clothes. 
I'm sorry. I know this is hard for some people in certain circumstances. Do not take a shower. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't your wash body, your clothes yeah. and your camera at yes. the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Just and also know that yeah. you know if you're a looky loo, and you're recording this scene, or you're taking photographs. Guess what? Witness with evidence. We're coming mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Yeah. We know that trick, too. I mean, I haven't had I've only okay. let me backpedal. I have had a couple of scenes. I actually thought at one point that that was all kind of stigmatized from like a couple of forensic psychology articles that originated in like the 90s. But I have legitimately had people return to the scene and act like they wanted to help. And it was them. And that's just banana sandwich you you know it's funny because actually they do say that uh, that a lot of times the suspect does return to the scene and they try to clear themselves and (laughs) kind of funny you know someone walks up on scene like it wasn't me well not right that's cool because now we're really looking at you instead of you trying to clear yourself you are now number one suspect (laughs) yeah i thought that's what you were referencing earlier i think that's so funny like yeah some yeah. of those like cheesy, good for TV aspects of crime are actually a thing. <laughs> oh, they 100 percent are a thing. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was talking about, you know, just like just looky lose, you know, neighbors, you know, in, especially in apartment buildings. If something mm-hmm. happens in an apartment, you know, and it's out in the open, the neighbors are all in their windows and they're all looking out and they're, you know, videotaping oh. and, you know, with their cell phones and stuff. And, yep. you know, there are there are law enforcement officers that are usually on scene that will notice this or someone will notice it. And then they're going to walk over to you and they're going to ask you for your information because now you just made yourself a witness and you have evidence. A hundred percent. Yeah. But so, yeah. You know, I mean, crimes happen every day. I get that they're interesting, but you know, if, if you want to see it just a little sexified, then just, you know, watch TV. Yeah. There's plenty, plenty, plenty of TV and, movies, etc. for your entertainment. But you're listening to this show because you wanted a little more. <laughs> because you wanted it from some real girls that do and real And we love shit. you for that. Yes. And we love you for that. We love you for your gallows humor. We love you for wanting to hear the, hear the real deal. So, you know, what can I say? We appreciate you all. And if you appreciate us back, make sure that you are telling your friends about the show. Make sure that you're reviewing us on whatever platform you're listening. You're telling your friends, family. Say, yeah, we're super fans. Yep. Slide into our DMs. We won't mind. I mean, (laughs) it depends on what you're sending. Please don't send any dick pics. Please. Please don't. Because you know what we're going to do? Oh, oh, that's... Send it to your mother. I will find your mother's social media. And I will show her that you are sending dick pics that are unsolicited. Unsolicited dick pics. Yeah. That should probably clarify. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly, yes. We we don't, yep. no, no. No, we are taking women and do not want that. But until next time, guys, just keep in mind, if you're going to die, do your local crime scene unit a favor and keep it interesting. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Crime Scene Queens is a Q Code Media production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate Dufort. Theme, song, and music by Darren Johnson. <laughs>